0: running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit networks, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24 seven friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven day money back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Quincy Larson. Quincy, do you want to say hello? Hello everyone. Now we had you on the show for episode 204. We talked about Free Code Camp. Still doing that. Looks like everything's going pretty well over there.
1: Yeah, we're we're growing. We just hit the 3 year mark uh-huh. uh, back in October and the community is growing very rapidly. We're having thousands of people who are getting their first developer job, thousands more people who already are working as developers who are getting promoted or changing to a more advanced position mm-hmm. at a different company. So things are going great.
0: That's awesome. Um, just as a side note on a little bit of a personal note, we did the interview back uh, last year and my wife, her best friend lives just around the corner and uh, they hang out like at least once a week, you know, she disappears at 8, 8 PM and comes home after I've gone to bed and gone to sleep. This <laughs> is usually like one, 1 AM or something. But her friend was learning how to code with Free Code Camp, and so I got to do the name drop and go, "Oh, I know that guy." <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know that it's it's helping and serving a lot of folks. So uh, before I start asking you the questions about your background, um, if people want to go check out Free Code Camp if they're interested in learning how to code, uh, where do they go? Like, what's the best way to get started there?
1: Sure, just go to freecodecamp.org and uh, start coding. You'll, you'll be coding within 20 or 30 seconds of signing up and creating your account. And there are no ads. It's completely free. We don't sell your data to anybody. I send an email out every week with some links to some articles that are communities published and some videos we publish on YouTube. Uh, but other than that, we, we won't bother you and you can unsubscribe to that if you don't want them. Uh, it's basically our goal is to just build a, a huge community, uh, of people contributing to the project and get more people donating to free code camp so that we can grow our team and offer more and more resources to you as someone who's learning how to code.
0: Nice. So I guess the other question that I have before <laughs> now I have a whole bunch of questions about free code camp but I'll I'll keep it to one more and then we'll get into your background and we can come back around to it when we talk about what you're doing these days. But then how how do you sustain it, right? I mean, I'm assuming you're doing this full time because it sounds like there's a lot going on. So yeah,
1: yeah, we have uh, we have wonderful donors who uh, give small amounts of money every month. We've got about three thousand people now who are giving three dollars, ten dollars a month, and uh, in aggregate that adds up, and it it helps cover a lot in terms of covering our servers and various services we use, and also um, we have three people working full time on FreeCodeCamp now, and we're hoping to continue to uh, hire more campers who've been contributing for the past few years and, and expand the team so that we can uh, grow the resource. If you look at an organization like Wikipedia, for example, um, they have hundreds of people working mm-hmm. there and, and they also have 100,000 volunteers who are editing the articles. And as a result, Wikipedia is growing and improving so rapidly and we hope Frico Camp can be a similar success story. That's awesome.
0: All right, well let's let's get into uh, Quincy, the the developer uh, extraordinaire. So back in the day, you got into programming. H- how did that happen? Did somebody introduce you to it? Did you just find it? What happened there?
1: So I was a school director. I'd been a teacher and a school director for about ten years, and I had been moving around to different schools, um, in the U S and in China. And I was in Santa Barbara, California, and I was running an intensive English program for adults who were Mm -hmm. getting ready to go to college and graduate school and just needed to improve their English a little bit. Um, and we had some problems. Mostly there was just a whole lot of administrative overhead, a lot of teachers and administrators spending a ton of time doing routine stuff on computers. And I decided there's got to be a way that we can help free these teachers and administrators from their desks so they can interact with the students more and help them more. And uh, so that's what I set out to do. I just started Googling around and figured out some ways, uh, hacked together some very basic Excel scripts. There's a Windows-based tool called AutoHotKey, and it allowed me to kind of program keystrokes and mouse clicks and things like that to fill out government forms and things like that for wow. immigration purposes. And and that's really how I got started. And just with my very cursory knowledge of programming that I built on the fly, before this I had no knowledge of uh, programming. I, I was so bad with technology that my wife had to set up the Wi-Fi router in our apartment. Uh, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so just learning this sort of stuff, that that really just revealed to me how powerful technology was. And, and suddenly our school was the most efficient school in the entire school system. All the students were super happy and we were winning awards. And it was just because I spent, you know, a few weekends digging through <laughs> Stack Overflow.
0: That's amazing. So you, you, uh, you start getting the school organized and automating a lot of these processes so that you're getting more done, being able to serve more people. Which I think a lot of uh, businesses, nonprofits, etc can benefit from, and once they start heading down that road, I think we, we see those benefits. But how do you get from sort of the productivity hacks and uh, you know, Excel programming to JavaScript?
1: Well, in my case, I, um, after doing all this and figuring out that there was so much low-hanging fruit, in terms of optimizing schools and, and helping reduce a lot of the tedium associated with running schools, I decided to leave that job and just focus full-time on trying to build you know, a suite of software that mm-hmm. could help do that so that I could you know, just go out to different schools or sell it to school systems so that they could improve their efficiency. And along the way of doing that, that's when I realized, first of all, I needed to learn to code a lot better than I was able to. And second... That learning to code was very challenging. There were a lot of great introductory resources. There were a lot of great advanced resources, books you could pull off a shelf, um, advanced talks on you know sites like Pluralsight and O'Reilly, Safari, and places like that. And um, but there wasn't much in the way of like intermediate resources to bridge the gap between an absolute beginner and somebody who would be able to go out and just pull resources off the shelf and Mm -hmm. learn new skills. So that's when I started really focusing on the problem of learning to code. And uh, through uh, various iterations of different projects, um, eventually uh, I created FreeCodeCamp, and that started to get some traction.
0: That's interesting. So I I think one of the things that you're probably best known for is FreeCodeCamp. I mean... I don't know, as I talk to people, that's that's what they'll bring up if they know who you are. So before we dig into FreeCodeCamp, I'm curious, are there other things that you've done in JavaScript that you want to talk about, or should we just go headlong into what FreeCodeCamp is and what, what they do?
1: Nothing really noteworthy. Um, almost all of my uh, time and effort over the past three years and really before that was preparing for launching something like FreeCodeCamp and then just... Uh, maintaining and helping expand the the community and the platform. Awesome. So so free code camp, you know, it
0: kind of comes out of this desire to help people to learn to code. You know, there there are a lot of things there you 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 put it up for free, you've taught people how to code in JavaScript primarily. You know, what, what were what what was the driver behind some of these decisions to do it the way that you did it?
1: Well, accessibility not just in terms of like web accessibility, but in terms of anybody being able to jump in and start coding, regardless of you know what device they're on, regardless of their socioeconomic background, and whether they had a credit card, because most people in the world don't have card numbers on hand that they can punch in. Um, so those kinds of considerations, we we just wanted to reach as many people as possible, with the hope that um, a small percentage of those people uh, would. Be able to give back, and and that would sustain the project for everybody. It's very much modeled after uh, Wikipedia, to some extent. Organizations like Mozilla, and there were a lot of education platforms that were completely free, like Khan Academy and Code.org, right. that I uh, I admired. And uh, so I thought, you know, we can help a whole lot of people at scale if we reduce the barriers. Right. And one of the, one of the really big barriers was just getting a development environment set up coming from like being a rails developer <laughs> i've spent and much more time than i'm comfortable saying uh, just trying to get c libraries to load properly and <laughs> try to try to fix things with like rbn or I've rvm yeah tools like yep. that right um and I did not want for the first experience for somebody who's trying to learn to code to be staring at stack traces in mm-hmm. uh, a command line and having to uninstall and reinstall packages or dependencies and things like that. Gotcha. So
0: yeah, so, so you build this up, you build it in JavaScript. I haven't looked to see what you teach as far as like on the front end versus the back end. But yeah, do you want to walk through the curriculum just a little bit and let people know what, you know, what is being taught there?
1: Sure. So we're getting ready to launch our new updated curriculum, which is uh, more than 1,000 different interactive coding challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a significant expansion from our current one, uh, which we've had for about a year and a half. We're, we're actually really far behind in launching this, but it's we just want to make sure it's really bug-free because a lot of schools and uh, universities and other institutions are using free code camp and we don't want to embarrass them and the employees who recommended free code camp as a curricular decision to their bosses, things like that. So, um, the curriculum is six certificates. The first one is responsive web design, which just focuses on HTML and CSS and has, you know, some basic, uh, visual design has some basic accessibility and concepts like that, and it doesn't involve using any libraries. It's just HTML and CSS. Mm -hmm. And then we have the JavaScript Algorithms and Data Structures Certificate, which just focuses on JavaScript. There's no front-end component at all in that certificate, and you just build up different algorithms and and get experience with different data structures and learn functional programming and object-oriented programming and uh, ES6 and things like that. And then there's the front-end libraries, which covers React and Redux and jQuery and uh, Bootstrap and a couple other popular libraries. And then there's the data visualization certificate, which is focused mostly on D3 and building data visualizations. And there's the API and microservice certificate that covers just Node and Express and building Mm -hmm. basic APIs. And then there's the Information Security and Quality Assurance Certificate, which covers basic security using Helmet.js, which is a great library that covers a lot of the low-hanging fruit in security, covers some basic encryption, Mm -hmm. and then uh, testing. Right. So those are the six certificates. Each of them involve building five different projects, and everything else is optional.
0: Right. Yeah. So just looking at this, you know, I was just uh, digging through here. So one of them is like data visualization. So it has React. It's build a markdown uh, previewer, build a camper leaderboard, build a recipe box, build game of life, build a roguelike dungeon crawler game. And so you just get those done and then you have the certificate.
1: Exactly. You build the five projects, each of them. Uh, and on beta.freecodecamp.org, which is where this curriculum I'm talking about is, you build the certificate or you build the projects and, and each of them has a standardized Uh, test suite that runs against your code. Oh, gotcha. You just pull pull those tests in through a CDN link, and then you can kind of build it Mm. um, in more of a TDD way where you've got like a failing test and you you go red light to green light. Mm. Um, And then you can kind of step through that way, and you know when you're done. That's a big improvement. The old projects were more ambiguous because you just had user stories and it was up to you to determine whether you'd met that user story. But now we have evaluation criteria for each of the projects. Right.
0: So you mentioned that you have three people working on Free Code camp full time and then you have volunteers that help out as well. Um, I'm curious, how does the work breakdown work? I mean, you know, are you mostly the front, the front man for the project or, do you work mostly on curriculum or are you doing a lot of the coding on the back end or, you know, and, and where, where do the other people who are working on this full-time uh, fall in, fall in line?
1: Sure, so every everybody other than me is developing full-time. That's like all they do is is work on the, uh, the code base and uh, we have a few other projects like we have the Free Code Camp Guide, which is our documentation app, which is a Gatsby JS app mm-hmm. um, and it has... You know, thousands of articles on different um, programming related topics. It's kind of like a little wiki um, that we run through GitHub, and you can open PRs if you want to add articles and things like that. But um, they're just uh, Berkeley and Stuart, Berkeley Martinez, and and Stuart over in uh, Northern Ireland. He just joined our team recently. He'd been contributing to the project for like two years, and we finally had the resources to bring him on, so we're thrilled to have him. They are just working on the code base.
0: I the code work base on the being code base. The, the platform that runs Free Code Camp.
1: Right. right. The the main uh if you go to GitHub.com slash free slash free code camp that uh repository. Okay. Um and and then they do some basic DevOps and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I uh do a little bit of coding, not nearly as much as I used to, uh because I'm kind of pulled in some other directions. Right. Uh one of which is running the medium publication, mm-hmm. which is um we publish probably three or four articles a day right. uh, from our community, and we, we edit everything, and we're pretty selective about what we publish. Um, but we have an edit- editorial staff now that I've kind of gradually put together and helped train, and so we make a lot of editorial decisions together, but, but that involves a lot of communication overhead uh, and actual editing, mm-hmm. and we also have a YouTube channel that we publish one to three videos a week on. Uh, so that involves some going out and talking to people and seeing if we can potentially syndicate their videos or right. um, finding people who are interested in streaming, things like that. Almost all of this just comes from within the free co community. And then uh, there's just the day to day talking with different people and answering questions and doing support and things like that. So <laughs> I'm all over the place. I have a, a to do list, Uh, I wake up every day, clear it. And then I just go through, you know, um, all these different inboxes and make sure that things are getting done. Right. So I'm often you talk about like the deep work of sitting down and grappling with a problem for a long time and having big, long uninterrupted stretches of time Uh to do that. And then, and then there's also kind of the managerial work where you're just jumping from task to task. Uh, I'm unfortunately at this point, I'm mostly stuck in the managerial mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, doing one little task at a time. And if I'm lucky and I can get like a six hour stretch of time, I'll write an article. Um, and I, I like to do that on medium. Awesome.
0: Yeah. That yeah. The, I mean, I guess awesome depends on whether or not you really enjoy doing that. But, you know, it's it's definitely interesting seeing where a lot of this can wind up and where you can, you know, where you want to spend your time.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that I love pretty much every aspect of this. Um, some people would probably find it tedious to Mm -hmm. answer you know 100 emails a day from different campers and things like that which is one of the things i do but i just love for me even if it answering a question for the thousandth time may seem a little tedious i have to remember i'm helping somebody and you know they're getting way more out of me giving this quick answer than i'm giving in sitting down to write it you know so it's a net positive and uh I think that um, as long as everything I'm doing has like a net positive effect and a lot of the things that I spend my time on kind of scale up and, and percolate through the community, mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely worth it. Awesome. So are there things you, wor- you are working on right now that you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, primarily uh, what I was talking about earlier, beta.freecocamp.org, the new updated platform with a new mm-hmm. updated curriculum. Uh, Really, we we just have so much on that branch, the staging branch that needs to be merged in. It's about a year's worth of new features and uh, curricular uh, additions that it's one of those kind of second system syndrome things where we just uh, had so much and we didn't – we weren't able to find a convenient time to release it. So uh, just getting that out is a huge part of my focus these days. And then – the other thing we're working on that I'm really excited about is we're going to be significantly expanding uh, the FreeCodeCamp study group directory, which currently, if you go to it, it's just going to help you find the nearest study group and direct you to their, mm-hmm. their Facebook group, which is how we generally organize these. Some people have meetup.com pages, some people have WeChat um, pages if they're in China for mm-hmm. example. Uh, what we want to do is we want to significantly expand the resources for our study groups um, so they're also able to uh, share information more readily and also have a much more nuanced presence in the directory rather than just a link to their Facebook page so we're doing a lot of research and trying to figure out how we can support those different study groups we've got about 2,000 study groups around the world in various degrees of activity, some of them are extremely active and meet twice a week um, some of them just haven't met more than one or two times. Uh, we just want to figure out good ways to take insights um, and confidence that's built up in one group and, and spread it consistently around to all the other groups, so that they can all benefit from that.
0: That's awesome. I think I think there are at least two free Code Camp groups that you know I see come up in various uh, JavaScript related meetups here in Utah. So. And I'm sure there are others that I'm just not aware of.
1: Yeah, and in a vast majority of cases, it's just some bold individual who stepped out and created a meetup group or uh, started posting regular events on Facebook and mm-hmm. that has kicked off that um, kind of reaction, uh, what will hopefully be a sustained chain reaction in their given city or even their neighborhood. And uh, I we really want to give them a lot more support than we are now. Right. We want to make it so much easier for them, and, and we want to make sure that um, that anything that they need is provided for. And as we get more donations, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have more resources to send them free cook Camp Swag and mm-hmm. um, potentially bring them under um, our nonprofit umbrella so they'll be able to get better venues at libraries and places right. like that that require nonprofit status in order to use them.
0: Sounds great. All right. Well, the last section of the show is picks. Uh, Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android. And all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid, on average, five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says, pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section.
1: Absolutely. There is so much research and development going on in using JavaScript as a machine learning language. Um, and there's a there's a good talk that I guess... Maybe you can put in the show notes mm-hmm. uh, on the state of machine learning in JavaScript. But there are some really cool libraries out there uh, that can take advantage of, like, the GPU of a computer through the browser. And uh, that can do all kinds of uh, advanced neural networks right in the client side without a network connection. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, for example, there's a website called uh, – it's it's a tool called TensorFire. It's T-E-N-S dot – or o.rs like Mm -hmm. a.rs domain uh tensors and you can go there and you can play rock scissors paper with with the computer by holding up your hand in front of the webcam oh nice (laughs) And just making the rock scissors paper and it's very reliably able to uh, understand whether you're making rock scissors or paper and it works completely in the browser um I think that there are going to be a tremendous number of applications of machine learning in the browser that uh, we'll be able to push uh, to people who have limited internet connectivity or no internet connectivity for like offline mode and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so it's going to open up a wide range of applications. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. I'm going to jump
0: in here with a few picks of my own. And I mentioned I was at CES. There are a lot of interesting things going on. Um, interestingly enough, uh, I had a bunch of people reach out and said, we're putting AI into our stuff. And so I was like, oh, well, I want to come see it. Well, it turns out that when they said AI, what they meant was they uh, connected Google Home or Amazon Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what I was looking for. But uh, yeah, just kind of fun stuff there. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about travel, uh, simply because I'm going to be doing a bit of travel here this next year. And I have some resources that I want to call out for that. Uh, The first one is, is when you go to CES and you're looking for a place to stay, if you don't book right away into a hotel, and even when you do, you're still going to wind up paying, you know, 100, 200 bucks a night, um, you know, to, to get into a hotel at, you know, for that week of CES. And that's, that's pretty much right after they announce. If you wait a month or two, you won't be able to get a doghouse for less than like $400 a night. Okay. So um, I kind of worked around that and I booked a condo on VRBO, um, which is the vacation rental thing. So I just booked it for the full week. And that was an incredibly good deal. It, it was considerably less than what it would have cost. Um, next year, incidentally, I'm probably actually going to book a hotel in Mesquite, which is about an hour outside of Las Vegas, because uh, those hotel rooms, even the week of um, of CES, were like 27 bucks a night. And, you know, eating and staying in Mesquite is considerably less expensive than Las Vegas. So if you're interested in uh, going down to Las Vegas and you're going to have a way of driving back and forth, um, Mesquite is actually a great way to go. Um, you know, I, I remember as a kid... Uh, We'd go down to Las Vegas periodically, or we'd go through Las Vegas heading down to like Disneyland and stuff. And they'd have the cheap buffets and all that stuff. And you can still get some of that downtown Las Vegas, um, which is the Fremont Street experience if you're, you know, you're looking at any of that. Um, I live close to Salt Lake City. So, you know, driving to California or driving down to Las Vegas isn't a major trip for me. Uh, And, you know, so I've been down there many times. Um, But yeah, most of that stuff has moved out to, mesquite so those kinds of deals that you're thinking of with the cheap hotel rooms uh cheap nice hotel rooms and uh the cheap buffets and stuff uh mesquite but i'm gonna pick so i guess i'm picking mesquite but i'm also picking um vrbo vrbo.com so if you're looking for kind of an inexpensive way to stay down there the other thing is is you usually wind up with a kitchen and stuff so you can cook your own meals and that'll save you some money too um the other thing that i'm gonna pick um i'm going out to ng atlanta for you know, the conference about Angular that they're doing out there at the end of this month. And I booked most of my travel through Upside.com. And that actually worked out pretty nicely. Uh, there are two things that I like about it. One is if you're booking business travel, you can just call up one of their navigators and they just take care of stuff. So it turned out that my wife's best friend from college lives in near Charlotte, And I'm flying through Charlotte to get to Atlanta. And it turned out that we're on the same flight. We didn't plan it that way, but we are from Salt Lake to Charlotte. And so I just called them up and said, hey, I have a friend. She's sitting in this seat. Can I get the seat next to her? And they just worked it out. They called the airline. They made it all happen. Um, I ran into a couple of hiccups with the coupon code that I used from one of the shows that I listened to. And they fixed all that and upgraded my room kind of as a, gee, we're real sorry. So I'm staying in a nice... (laughs) a nice suite in uh, Atlanta. But anyway, that all worked out. So upside.com is the other one. I guess that was a little bit long for picks, but there you go. So Quincy, I guess one last thing. I know we all know freecodecamp.org now, but are there other places where people should go if they want to see what you're working on or follow your tweets or GitHub or whatever?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, Everybody can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, OSSIA um, um, is my handle. Ossia. And uh, I tweet pretty regularly there. I'm usually I, I tweet as little as necessary because I don't want to flood people. Um, but almost everything is focused on technology and programming.
0: Awesome. And then the one other thing I want to call out is the FreeCodeCamp Medium uh, blog because there are usually pretty awesome articles there. So how do people find that?
1: Thank you. Uh, it's medium.freecodecamp.org. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, We'll come at you with another story. Next week, we're talking to uh, Gordon Jew, Um, and he's got a JavaScript tutorial as well. We've had him on the show. But uh, thanks again, and uh, it's always great to talk to you, Quincy.
1: Likewise, Joe.
0: Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.